Good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for to Pastor Milo and uh, the leadership here for allowing me to be here. Thanks, Pastor Brian, for the introduction. Um, I was speaking with Pastor Milo this morning before uh, he ran out, and I said, man, uh, whenever I come into a big building, I'm always nervous. And he said to me, uh, he's like, whenever I preach somewhere new, I'm nervous. So I'm nervous, uh, and sometimes I found when I tell people that it helps me to not be nervous. So uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, but today we're going to be in Acts 9, verses 20 through 31. So if you want to take some time, open up your Bible, uh, open up your digital device uh, to Acts 9. So we just came back from a two-week vacation, okay? Uh, our family has a place on a lake in New Hampshire. Uh, it's been in the family for 60, in my wife's family, which is why I married her, for 62 years. <laughs> Don't tell her that. Um, for 62 years. Uh, the first time I went there was back in uh, 2001 when uh, I met my wife. And the first time I stepped out uh, was in the middle of the night. Now, why is it so weird? Because at that time, uh, I came from the concrete jungle, okay? Uh, I came from the city, right outside New York City. That's where I grew up. And so I stepped out of the car, uh, being driven by her grandfather, who uh, I had whiplash by the time we arrived there, four hours from Word of Life Bible Institute. Uh, I stepped out, and it was completely dark. I said, where in heaven's name am I? Where? Anyway, 20 years later, we enjoyed it. I enjoy going up there every year. Uh, we have some great fishing up there. And uh, one of the things that I noticed this year is my son, okay? My oldest son is eight years old. Now, I love to fish. Uh, when we go up there, we go deep sea fishing. We do uh, lake fishing. When I'm here in Buffalo, I do steelhead fishing. F fishing is basically all year round up here uh, and in my life. And so one day, over vacation, I was sitting on the hammock, and I said to myself, looking out at the dock, seeing my son fish. And I said to myself, man, the verse that came to my mind was uh, the commission that Jesus gave. Um, or actually when he called his apostle Peter, he said, come and I will make you fishers of men. And automatically that came to my mind, and I said to myself, man, I hope that my son is as passionate about making disciples as he is fishing. Let me tell you, I ran to the bait and tackle shop twice in two weeks. I spent over $50 in tackle. I have never spent that much money, ever. But you know what? If it's for my son... And I can use that correlation to my son and say, hey, as passionate as you are about fishing, I pray that you're just as passionate about making disciples, about involvement in the church, about growth. And today what we're going to see is we're going to talk about Saul, a man who was zealous about church planting, who was zealous about making and growing disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me read Acts 9 uh, with you. Acts 9, verses 20 through 31. Let's read it together. Spall, Spall. It's a great way to start out your service, right? 
Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and it was strengthened Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Let me open up uh, in prayer. Lord, we uh, thank you for this day. We thank you for this, the word that uh, is about to go forth. We pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds. I ask that you would put aside any distractions this morning that would uh, keep us from hearing uh, and applying your word to our lives. We thank you for all that you've done for us here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's the main point that we're going to talk about this morning. Okay, here's the main point. And that's the message of Jesus will bring peace if we are willing to step out in faith and share it. The message of Jesus Christ will bring peace if, if we are willing to step out in faith and share it. What do we learn from Paul? Well, we'll here's the first thing we learn from Paul, is that, Saul, is that Saul boldly declared the message of Jesus. What's the first thing that he did as soon as he, the Lord appeared to him? In Damascus. At once... He began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now we know from the previous passage that Saul was a zealous man. He was one of the most famous up-and-coming Pharisee. He was way ahead of the young men, the men of his age at that time. And he wasn't just a Pharisee, he really believed in God. He really believed in the God of the Old Testament. He was zealous about God. He, he really thought he was being obedient to God's law. 
He was zealous about that. He was zealous about obedience to the law. He was zealous about these Christians, if they didn't recant in what they believed about Jesus, that he was doing the right thing by putting them to death. Men, women, and children. And the Lord saw that. God knew that. So the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and said, you're no longer going to be zealous about this, but now you're going to preach Jesus Christ to people. And so Saul took that passion, took that zeal, and immediately transformed that into sharing the message of Jesus Christ. See, Saul would take time in the synagogues, and that's where he would find the Christians. That's where he would find the people who were declaring the message of Jesus Christ. And that's where he would find them. That's where that's, he took them from there, and they would be persecuted. And so now Saul is changing that focus. Now he's going into that same place where he was once persecuted Christians. Now he's preaching the message of Jesus Christ, and he boldly declared that message. He boldly declared that message. The good news of Jesus Christ, this message is a message of peace. When was the last time you boldly declared the message of Jesus Christ? If it's any time in our society that people need to hear this message of peace, it's now. We have an election coming up in November. We have this pandemic taking place. We have division amongst what's, what we should be doing during this pandemic at each state. I was in three states over vacation, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. Now, don't worry. All three of them are on the safe list, okay? All three of them are on the safe list. But see, you go into Massachusetts, and not everybody's required to wear masks. You go into New Hampshire, not everybody wears a mask. Now, we wore masks, but it's not required. And there's division over that, right? There's differences of opinion over that. I mean, Pastor Brian called, called us to, to pray for those who... Uh, kind of don't agree with us on that, that, that we, that, uh, you know, oppose us in those beliefs. And if there's any time to share that message of peace with people, it's now. Saul boldly declared the message of peace. Saul took time to learn from God. Saul took time to learn from God. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, verse 23. It was, it was thought that Paul spent time in this region of Arabia. And here's why. You know, because at once Saul was converted, you would have assumed he would go straight to Jerusalem and talk to the 12 disciples about his conversion. But he didn't. We know from Galatians 1 that it was three years before he returned to Jerusalem. Saul took time to learn from God directly. He spent time learning from God directly. He didn't go straight to to Jerusalem. The Lord needed to teach him certain aspects. He came to know Jesus Christ. He was passionate about that, but he still had a lot to learn. 
he still had a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn. If it's anybody who has a lot to learn, it's me. When Pastor Milo approached me about church planting, I said, I have no, no idea of what church planting is. When I was in school, uh, they tried to get me into the church planting track to plant churches in the city in Scranton. And I said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I went the opposite way. And here I am, pastoring a church, and Pastor Milo says, listen, we're willing to help you. I said, what's the condition? He says, we got to move. I said, you're crazy. I'm comfortable here. I'm complacent here. He said, it's never going to succeed. I said, why? So he talked about it, prayed over it. And within a two-mile radius of our current, current location, Harris Hill Baptist Church, where we're at, we have over six Bible-preaching churches. Now, I know all the pastors of those churches, and they are excellent men of God. But there's a mission field somewhere else. And as we looked, as we prayed over locations, as I grew, as I took time to learn from God, I hope adjusting my mic isn't bad. Is adjusting my mic bad? Because I just feel like I'm gonna, it's going to fall off my ear. All right, I'm good. All right. Saul took time to learn from God. I took time to learn from God. You need to take time to learn from God. You know, this, this idea of quiet time, I know for some of us is overrated because we've been hearing about it since we were kids. But take some time and think about it through the eyes of Saul. Saul boldly declared the message of Jesus Christ, yet he took time to learn from God on a regular basis. And that's what we need to do. We need to take our, take our own time to learn from God. The next thing that we see is that Saul faces opposition. We see that, that the Jews in Damascus, day and night they kept watch over the city gates to try and kill Saul. The hunter has now become the hunted. Have you ever seen that, that show, Life Below Zero? Have you ever seen it? It's an old show. But uh, me and my son, we just went through all the seasons on, uh, on Disney+. And one of the things that they emphasize there up in the bush of Alaska is that uh, it's easy to become the hunted. As humans, we think we're the hunters, but uh, up there... The hunter can easily become the hunted. And that's what happened to Saul. He was persecuting the church out of zeal for God. And, and, and he was hunting down Christians. The Lord appeared to him. He was proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. He took time to learn from God. And now as a result of his growth, as a result of his proclamation, he was being hunted. And for the rest of his ministry, that will not stop. He will continue to be hunted. But does that stop his proclamation? Does that stop him from growing disciples of Jesus Christ? 
Does that stop him from planting churches? No, it doesn't. Now look, some of us are sitting in this room and we're complacent. You're complacent with where you're at. You're comfortable. I do my time in this ministry. I do my time in that ministry. And you're good. I'm serving God. But yet, when opposition comes, when a time of challenge comes, it's easy just to step back and not get involved. We, as a pastor, whenever you go on vacation, what's the first thing that you think I think about when we go on vacation? It's going to church. What? You're supposed to be on vacation from church. No, I'm talking about going to church without any kids. You know, we, when we, we went to church and I said, uh, my in-laws took all four boys on Sunday morning. And I said, oh, take them. I just want to sit next to my wife and hold her hand and put my arm around her. Maybe, maybe give her a peck on the cheek when we're in church. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So we went to this church. She's from Haverhill, Massachusetts. And so we went to First Baptist Church of Haverhill, Mass. 254 years old. John Hancock's signature is on the original charter. Some of the people there that we met were, were born and baptized in that church. The kind of opposition and change that, that our older folks, our senior saints experienced and how they're still here despite that change, sitting in the front row, you're not back row Baptists, you're front row Baptists, right? <laughs> My greatest prayer warrior is a 95-year-old woman. And I just get emotional because every time I go away for vacation, one of my senior saints dies. Every time I go on vacation. So sure enough, a couple days before I went on vacation, who goes into the hospital? My 95-year-old senior saint prayer warrior. And I said, I don't care what I'm doing. You call me if anything happens. Praise Jesus. She's still around. Praise Jesus. But you know, that generation, we have a lot to learn from that generation. Think of all the change and opposition that they faced, the change in leadership, the change in style, the way we do ministry, and they're still here. And some of us, anytime there's a change or anytime there's an opposition, we run away. And here's, here's the famous words that pastors hear all the time. I've been praying about it, pastor, and I feel the Holy Spirit is telling us to leave. And I'm like, and every pastor just smiles. Every pastor just smiles. Say, so you know what? God bless you. I pray that you would find a place that God would place you. And I mean that when I say that. But inside, 
inside, it's, it's really anytime something changes, we get uncomfortable. So Saul faced that opposition, and he did not back down from that opposition. That, that, that fueled his zeal for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it would fuel his zeal for the rest of his life. So Saul boldly declared the message of Jesus Christ. Saul took time to learn from God. Saul faced opposition. Part of his opposition was rejection out of fear. Saul was rejected out of fear. Why? Because he was known for killing people. And not just men. Men, women, and children he took. And so naturally, Saul comes to town and, and people think it's a trick. They think it's a trick. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believing that he was really a disciple. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him to the apostles. He told them Saul, how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. They thought it was a trick and they were afraid that he was coming back to Jerusalem portraying this disciple of Jesus Christ when in reality they were thinking that he might take him. And so who steps into the picture? What would become one of his greatest ministry companions, Barnabas. And so Barnabas proclaimed, helped the Jerusalem accept Saul. He helped the Jerusalem church accept Saul. This concept of fear and rejection is powerful. Fear is a feeling and emotion that I needed to overcome. That I needed to overcome if we want to see the message of the gospel go forth in Clarence Hollow. If we want to see our vision of partnering with the, with the community to help them navigate life with God. If I wanted our folks to, to leave their current location and be willing to, to eventually uh, leave that building and go to this, this place that we don't even own, I needed to overcome my own fear. I needed to overcome my own fear. And I did. And there are still times that I'm afraid. There's still times where I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to happen. And God just continues to open up the doors. We have some office space now that we secured a couple weeks ago, right there in the hollow, across from the brick hall. And our plan is to, st to launch our, uh, do our soft launch services there in the brick hall. And the owner of the brick hall is on the hollow committee. And we also rented our office space from him. And God's just continuing to open up these doors as we put aside our fear that opposition, and we boldly step out in faith to share that message of peace. God honors that, and he provides for us. 
Now, Randall has helped Fieldstone tremendously in ways that I can't begin to explain. And some of you know that. And some of you don't know that. And to that, I would say thank you. But Pastor, what I'm about to say next, Pastor Milo has given me permission, so I'm going to say it. Some of you, I want to challenge some of you to become personally involved. Now, some of you have thought about and prayed about it, and some of your key leaders have come over and been part of our leadership team. And that's just awesome. Truly blessed and humbled by that. But some of you live two miles away from the hollow. Some of you live there, whether in this room or you're watching online. Some of you live there. And you're comfortable here. Look around. We got, we got more people here. And you're comfortable with where you're at because you got this ministry here and you have this ministry there and you have this ministry here. And you don't want to leave. But you know, within a one-mile radius of the Clarence Hollow Farmer's Market, there's 2,300 people. That was according to the 2010 census. And there's no Bible-preaching gospel churches because they've all moved out. And so is there a mission field? Is there? Yes, there is. Because here's another interesting fact about Clarence. Clarence has a higher opioid addiction problem than some parts of the inner city Buffalo. And you would never know. Marriages are struggling because of that. And you would never know that because I drive a Maserati. Because I'm a teenager who drives a Maserati to school. I've never seen a Maserati until I moved to Clarence. I didn't even know what it was. Teenagers driving around. But you would never know about their addictions. You would never know about the marriage problems. Because money covers that up. And some of you in here are faced with those same kinds of addictions. Maybe not drugs, but maybe the addiction of, of, of anger or jealousy or pride or pornography or fornication or adultery. And to that I call you out. And I say the only way that that's going to change is if you open up to the relationships you have here at Randall. I believe that's part of your inward. Inward to the church, right? You're up in and out. That's your inward at at Harris Hill, at Fieldstone, it's the church. You know, we have our four areas that all lead to the cross, and that's God, church, community, and support. And ours is the church, relationships within the church. So Saul boldly declared the message of Jesus, 
Saul took time to learn from God. Saul faced opposition. Saul was rejected out of fear. And the last section, 28 through 31, so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus, his hometown. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. Our last point is that Saul was accepted and brought peace to the church. Saul was finally accepted by the church of Jerusalem and that brought a time of peace because the hunter had now become the hunted. And they enjoyed this time of peace. And don't be misled. Peace doesn't mean complacency. It means they enjoyed a time of spiritual growth and numerical growth without direct persecution, the kind of persecution that Saul gave. And maybe you've become complacent in your walk in ministry. You find your satisfaction not in your, the spiritual growth that takes place through your relationship with God and relationship with people, but you find your satisfaction in how many ministries you're involved with. Whether that's here, it could have been very easy for us to remain complacent in our current location, where we were on Harris Hill Road. I could have kept doing what I was doing. I could have kept doing that. I could have kept on in that ministry. Uh, but you know what? That I wasn't enough. God said, I'm going to take your spiritual growth to the next level. And he brought in Pastor Milo and I said, get away. No, I didn't say that. Uh, he, he took me to the next level. And he continues to take me to the next level. And it brought about peace. It wasn't about complacency. It was about spiritual growth. The uh, worship team can come up now just to give you a heads up. Is God calling you to be involved at Fieldstone? Look, I know church planning isn't for everyone. Uh, and I don't have personal experience. I mean, it's the first time I'm doing this, but, but um, I, I just, I want to tell you that is God calling you to be involved at Fields? And again, if you're like, oh, does Pastor Milo know? Yeah, he knows, okay? Is God calling you to be involved at Fieldstone? Some of you live in Clarence Hollow, in Clarence. And there's a gospel, there's, there's a a need for the gospel of peace to go forth in a broken community that you may not see on the outside, but we know exists. Look, our vision uh, for Fieldstone is to partner with the community to help them navigate life with God. I have a passion for the local church becoming involved again in the community. The only way that we can support our government and support our school system is by the church no longer backing away, but becoming involved once again. 
so that people will know, and especially in Clarence, because Clarence is very passionate about their school systems. And that's one way of being involved. So I want to challenge you. The message of Jesus will bring peace if you're willing to step out in faith and share it. Are you willing to step out in faith and become part of our ministry at Fieldstone?